Today we're going to start talking about our second part of more, Worth More Than Rubies. We're looking at the stories of women in the Bible, inspiring women of the Bible. And what I'd like to do first, which is something I've never done before, not move the lectern, I would like us all to stand up. So we all get a bit uncomfortable. Stand up. Yeah, please. If you're able to, it'd be great. If you're not, it's fine. Stay there. And I would like all the women to move to the front of the room and occupy the first three, four rows. Men, back you go. I know. We're segregating the church. Yes, we are. So ladies to the front, please. Ladies to the front. I know this is uncomfortable for many of you. I know that. Right in the front row, come on. Wonderful. Let's fill up the front row with all the ladies. I get a better view than normal. Yeah, that's good. Come in and you can take your seats once the ladies have taken those front few rows, please. Ladies the front. Come on, Rebecca. Come on. There's still some space over here. Men are all looking very confused, very worried. Wonderful. Please take your seats. I was at a wedding yesterday, and you know at a wedding, there's that bit after the bride and groom, they're married, and they sit down at the front, and there's someone comes, and they speak, and they speak to the bride and groom, and they say, but the rest of you get to listen in. You know that bit? And I want to speak today to the woman of our church, but men, you get to listen in. Is that all right? Don't, don't argue with me. This is what we're going to do, because I want, I want to honor the woman of the church. I want to honor women generally. I think we're not always very good at it. I almost started this morning by showing a, a quite well-known Harry Enfield sketch from probably 20 years ago called Women Know Your Limits. I watched it this morning. I thought, this could actually go down very badly. It's kind of funny, but, but even 20 years ago, it's just like laughing at women. It was, it was a, a scene was a woman and a, a couple sitting around a table having a meal and, and the, the man brings up an intellectual conversation and the woman decides to join in. And the point is made, women know your limits, you shouldn't possibly do that. And it's like, actually that's not funny, that's disrespectful. And so I decided not to show it even though it is very amusing. Because we want to be sure we're honouring one another and I want to honour women. And you know, we've lived in a society that even now we sometimes challenge to be honouring to women. Even now, it's still a conversation about equality and rights and how much people get paid and all those kind of things. It's still in our news today. When I was a child growing up, my dad, who was also a church pastor, was very clear that leadership was male. That if you wanted to be a leader in the church, you had to be a man before anything else. That was the, that was the deal. Uh, there was a well-known book at that time called Leadership is Male, and it was bought by lots of men, burned by lots of women. And I saw my dad this week, it was half term, and he came to see us, mum and dad came to visit the family, and I said, Dad, I'm speaking this week about women in the Bible, I'm going to talk about a lady called Deborah, who's a well-known leader, and I said, Dad, in all your time as a leader, and this whole concept of the role of women in leadership, I said, how do you square the story of Deborah, a significant leader in the Bible? And my dad laughed, he said, I've never worked that one out. I've never worked that one out. And he's still struggling and grappling. He said partly it's to do with his own age and demographic and history and background. There's lots of other things to this conversation. But I wanted just to talk today about women in leadership 
through this person called Deborah. Not so well-known character in the Bible. Only two chapters, Judges 4 and 5, where we talk about it. But I just would like just to spend a few moments looking at it. Men, you listen in, and we can have a talk over a bit later on. Here we go. Judges chapter 4 says this. Deborah was a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth. She was judge over Israel at that time. She held court under Deborah's palm between Ramah and Bethel in the hills of Ephraim. The people of Israel went to her in matters of justice. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kedesh in Naphtali. There's a lot of strange words in one sentence. And said to him, it has become clear that God, the God of Israel, commands you to go to Mount Tabor and prepare for battle. Take ten companies of soldiers from Naphtali and Zebulun. I'll take care of getting Sisera, the leader of Jabin's army, to the Kishon River with all his chariots and troops. And I'll make sure you win the battle. Barak said, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. What a man. She said, of course I'll go with you. But understand that with an attitude like that, there'll be no glory in it for you. God will use a woman's hand to take care of Sisera. We'll explain that more in just a moment. You see, I don't know what you, when you think about women in the Bible, which kind of woman you think of. We spoke about Mary a few weeks ago. Hannah did a great job there. We're going to look in the next few weeks at people like Esther and Ruth and um, Hannah, another lady of the Bible. Many people, quite well known, some of them. Deborah, maybe not so. I, I wonder which woman inspire you today. Whether you prefer the woman of history, such as Mother Teresa, Joan of Arc, Princess Diana, Rosa Parks, well-known woman who changed history. Or whether... Woman of today. I looked this up. It's harder to find, to be honest. I'm not sure Beyonce really is a woman of inspiration. Maybe not to me. Maybe my teenage girls. I don't know when they become there. But who are the people of today? I watch people like Queen Elizabeth. You know, 90 years old. Consistent. Reliable. Steadfast. Who are the women that inspire you? This story of Deborah is the most incredible story and let me just take you can I tell a little bit of a story first we'll just explain some of the context before I just give you a few thoughts from the story so the time of Deborah Israel is in a mess Israel's in a mess we've had Moses he's taken the people from Egypt they've escaped from Egypt they've gone around the the, the desert for 40 years they've gone into the promised land led by Joshua and now we are many years on and the time of the judges you see it in the book called Judges in the Bible there were 12 judges in all they were the people that were overseeing the people of Israel and Deborah was the fourth judge she's the only female judge ever she's in fact she was the only person that was over Israel as a woman All the others were kings that happened to have wives who then became queens. She was in charge of Israel. And Israel was being terrorized this time by the Canaanites. And the Canaanite army was led by a man called Sisera. And Sisera, for 20 years, with his iron chariots, the Bible tells us, hunted down all of the people of Israel and would fight them at every opportunity. But Deborah, the prophetess, was judge over Israel. And the Bible tells us she sat every day under a palm tree. And people would gather to her and to get advice. Those of you who travel to places like Africa will know that the, the communities often gather around a significant tree or location. And it was no different back then. And there was Deborah under a palm tree discussing and deciding matters of justice. 
But one day she summons this commander of Israel's army, Barak, and she summons him and he comes at once and she says, God's told me that if you go now and attack Sisera, you will win. And it's a kind of this weird little interaction. He goes, well, I'll go if you come with me. I mean, this is not like a wimp. This is not like a lightweight. This is a guy who gets mentioned in Hebrews 11, you know, in the, in the hall of faith. He's, he's a good army general. He is, you know, leading tens of thousands of people. But he also recognizes the wisdom of Deborah and says, I'll go, but only if you come with me. And then she spins it around and goes, Father, I'll come with you. But just be warned, the honor will not go to a man. The honor will go to a woman. She doesn't say which woman. But she said, it won't go to you. You can do that if you want to. It's fine. So just come with me. So they go into battle together. And they attack the Canaanite army. And the army is decimated. Absolutely decimated by the Israelites. The Israelites win hands down. And Sisera, the commander of the Canaanite army, who's been in charge for 20 years, hounding the Israelites, is running for his life. And Barak is chasing after him. And he is trying to find Sisera. And this was on the run trying to find somewhere to hide. And this is the gruesome part of the story. This is the sort of story that does not get told in Freedom Kids. All right, there's a good reason for that. Because he finds this woman called JL. And, and he sees her and he has a mutual connection with her. He said, please, will you help me? Will you hide me? And JL says, yes, you come into my tent. I will hide you. Hmm. She tucks him into bed, it says, with a little blanket, gives him a little bottle of milk. Poor little Cicero. And she tucks him in. True story. Read the Bible. It's even more graphic than I can probably explain. And she gets a tent peg while he is asleep. And the Bible says she gets a tent peg and she hammers it into the side of his head until it digs into the ground on the other side. Oh, yes, it's all in there. This is 18-rated Bible stuff. And she, she kills Sisera while he sleeps. And eventually Barak finds her. And Jael comes to the entrance of the tent. She says, the person you're looking for is here and he is lying dead. I think you'll find I've done your job for you. Judges 5 is a song of all of the efforts of, of Barak and Deborah and Jael. And who gets the credit? The ladies get the credit, just as she said. And at one level, it's the most peculiar story. And I could tell you, well, maybe the moral of the whole story is never go camping with women. <laughs> you may not wake up again. There's a reason why last weekend, Levi and I went camping, a big church day out, Lottie stayed at home. Ladies and camping is not always a good mix, but that is not the moral of the story today. I want to talk about Deborah and who she was as a leader. Who she was as a leader, the difference that she made. Many of you know I, I enjoy talking about leadership. I think leadership is something that can transform communities. And I've had the privilege of speaking to people in various locations about leadership, in secular communities as well as in church settings. But Deborah is a heroic woman of the Bible. She was a wife, a mother, a prophetess, a judge, a poet, a singer, and a political leader. She had huge influence. I want to point out three things from the life of Deborah that we can all learn today. And if we are called to leadership, men or women, this is something we can all benefit from. Number one, Deborah led in difficult times. When times are challenging, we look for people who are willing to stand up and say, actually, I'm not going to accept this anymore. Bill Hybels talks about the holy discontent, the Popeye moment, where you say, this is not on. I'm not going to accept this more. I can't stand it. No more, I think, those of you old enough to remember Popeye, he says. 
You see, the people of Israel were in a mess. They'd stopped honoring God. They'd lost their way, and they needed a leader. They needed someone to say there's an alternative way of doing life. And can I say, the world is in a mess, and it needs godly leaders. It needs godly leaders to stand up. And Deborah stood up and said, I'm going to make a difference in a difficult time. She made herself available. She was available. She was ready. People, when they're in difficulties, look for leadership. They look for somebody who is available. If you are too busy, you're not much good to somebody who's in a desperate mess. The reason why we've released Joe's time to to, to manage CAP It's because we need someone available for people in desperate need. Help me, help me, I can't, I'm far too busy. Is not an appropriate response. Deborah was available. People were looking for support, looking for help, and they saw someone under a tree saying, come, I'm here, I'm available, I'm accessible. Deborah had courage. She was willing in a a nation that was turning away from God, she was willing to say, I'm going to stand for God. I believe in the God of heaven. I believe in the promises he's made, and I'm going to follow his ways. She had courage. And lastly, under this bit about difficult times, she confronted the wrongs. She said, I'm not going to stand for injustice. I'm not going to stand for the way that people assume this should work. I'm going to say, no, enough is enough. I'm going to confront the wrongs. I'm going to bring justice. And she would stand, sit there every day under the palm tree, and she would discern what was going on and say, no more. I will bring justice. She had courage. She confronted wrongs. She made herself available in the difficult times. Maybe you find yourself in a difficult time today. It requires leaders to stand up and say, let's do something different. Let's not accept the norm for what it might be. Let's see if we can change something. Number two, Deborah knew when to speak. This is a skill I'm still mastering. My wife is helping me with this one. The little nudge or kick under the table apparently is a clue that I probably shouldn't have said what I've just said. On one occasion, it's a true story, I was saying something, I don't even know who it was to or what it was I was saying, I got a big kick underneath the table. This is how good I am at this whole thing of no end speak. I said, ah, why did you kick me for? At that moment, the eyes told a story that I shouldn't have said anything at all. I'm still learning when to speak, but there is power of knowing when to speak. We live in a very noisy world. There is lots of information flooding all around us with social media, with the internet, with magazines, with marketing campaigns and advertising and billboards and information left, right and center. We live in a very noisy world. And people that talk a lot often don't get hurt. But we need to know when to speak. Deborah knew when to speak. There are people, I'm sure you've got them in your lives, that when they choose their moment to speak, you listen. Because you think, okay, I'm... When you say something, it's always worth listening to because you choose your moment. Know when to speak. We need to be people that know when to bring up things and when to actually, actually it's not the right time. You know, even those of you who call yourself a Christian today, can I say there is a time to bring up your faith and to share your story. There's a time to stay quiet and just to pray for somebody. When someone's in a desperate need, bragging about your personal circumstance and how good your life is and how wonderful your faith is and how you're going to go to heaven and everything's great, may not be the best move. There may be a time to go, okay, I'm just going to wait for my moment and learn when to speak, when to say, actually, I do have a story to tell you. I do have something to share, but I'll wait for the moment, know when to speak. Number two, Deborah was affirmed by others. She was affirmed by others. You know, people can call themselves a leader, but if no one's following, you're just going for a walk. You're just going for a walk. 
And I've met people who say they're leaders, and I look around, and I think, I'm not sure you're leading anything. Deborah was affirmed by others. She summoned Barak, and he comes. He doesn't hesitate. He says, yes, I'll come. People flocked to see her. People will affirm those who are called to lead you. You know who leads in your community. You know who, even if they haven't got the title, often it's not always the boss that's the boss. Sometimes it's someone else who actually carries the influence. Deborah was well respected. She was well thought of because of her consistency and her her judgment. She was well considered in the community, well respected. I think sometimes we so rush into trying to achieve things and do things and hope to get celebrated in our celebrity-focused world. We need people just to kind of quietly get on with what they're meant to be doing and allow other people to affirm you rather than waving your flag on Twitter and say, look at me, how good am I? Actually, just to go, actually, let's just be well-respected by doing what we say we're going to do. Earning the respect of your co-workers at work, your colleagues, your family members, your community, your neighbours, just by the small things. Just by the small things. Looking for opportunity to serve other people. Looking for opportunity to be kind and thoughtful and think of others before yourself. Earning that respect. And lastly, I've already mentioned here, Deborah used her tongue appropriately. She knew when to say the right words. She knew when to put in the positive word, the encouragement, to encourage people and bring the best out of them. And she knew when to say, enough's enough. That's not acceptable. To know when to speak, but also how to speak. Wise words at the right time are powerful, aren't they? When you've been in that time of desperation, someone's come in and they've just said the right thing at the right time and unlocked everything. How we speak is important. And I want to say, let's know when to speak as leaders. And whatever your role is in your community, you all carry influence at one level or another. Who are you speaking to? What voice are you using? What words are you speaking? Are you picking your moments? And lastly, and my main point this morning really, as I've entitled this last point number three, Deborah sat under her tree. And as I was studying this bit this week of Judges 4 particularly, I was just intrigued by this idea of this woman, Deborah. She didn't have a palace. She didn't have a big fancy building. She didn't have a platform. She didn't have a throne. She had no kind of thing to kind of celebrate her. She just sat under her tree. But it seemed like she was very comfortable in that situation. And I think sometimes we're always aspiring for the next thing. And we're always aspiring to be seen. We're never very comfortable just to sit and just to be. There was an interview a couple of years ago with Samuel L. Jackson, the well-known actor. And someone said to this a journalist, said to him, how come you're so cool all the time? And he said, because I'm just comfortable with who I am. Cool people never try to aspire to be someone else. They're just, I'm comfortable with who I am. I know who I am, what I'm meant to be. And Deborah was comfortable with who she was. She sat under her tree. She was married, the Bible tells us. She had children. We, in fact, we don't even know about her husband because of Deborah. He gets a mention just because Deborah has done loads of great stuff. But, you know, she, needs to, she was herself. She was herself. And can I say this, ladies, to you specifically this morning? And I, and I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to say this in the right manner. So please hear the heart behind what I'm trying to say. I've been trying to work on the words this week. But I want to say, ladies, can I encourage you to lead as women? Sometimes I find women trying to lead and try to emulate masculine traits. Can I say that? 
there's almost like, I've got to be stronger and bigger and louder than the men in the room. And if you're in a, a leadership team with predominantly men around the table, you'll understand what this can be like. I have to be heard, so I have to try and almost compete. Can I encourage you to lead as God designed you to be? To lead as a woman, to lead in a feminine manner, to lead in a way that's natural to who you are, to be comfortable in your skin. Listen, people will listen to you when you are who you're meant to be. When you're trying to pretend to be someone else, people know that's not the true and real you. And the same for the men as well. We need to lead in the way that God has developed us to lead, not trying to be someone else. Trying to be normal. Deborah was normal. She was every day. She sat under her tree and she was comfortable there. Leaders should be magnets, not bulldozers. We've all met those people that they lead, and they lead and leave a complete disaster behind them. And someone's often picking up the mess. And they've, they're going somewhere, and sometimes it's quite exciting. We're like, we're going this way. Whee! And everyone's like, yeah! There's like a trail of destruction behind them. Leaders should be magnets. Leaders should be attractive. Jesus was the most attractive leader. People gathered in their thousands to hear what he had to say. Deborah was attractive. She was a magnet. People were attracted to her. They came to hear her and what she said. She served God and magnified him. And she pointed people to him. And people gathered to hear the wisdom that she carried through God himself. And I want to encourage us to make sure that we act more like magnets than bulldozers. Yes, you need to get a job done. I understand that. But is there a better way of doing it? It may take a bit longer, but maybe it's a more appropriate way of doing things, to be more like a magnet than a bulldozer. Leading by example, one of the, the biggest leadership traits is leaders who say, not as I do, but do as I say. And actually, it never works. People follow leaders who do what they say, and they actually follow through. And we need to make sure that if, if you are leading women or men in this room, if you are a leadership position, that you lead by example. You don't just say, oh, here's what we need to do, you go do it. We go, actually, I will participate. I can be part of the answer, part of the process. Deborah led by example. When Barak said to her, well, I'll go to, the, I'll go to war, but will you come with me? And Deborah could say, we know it's not my job. I sit under the tree. I do the whole judging thing. You've got the sword. You do the whole chopping people's heads off thing. Can we just kill enough, you know, keep it as it is? She went, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll participate. I'm happy to not just give the instruction. I'm happy to be part of the answer as well. Are you willing to lead by example. Lead by example. And then lastly here, sitting under your tree is all about not comparing yourself to other people. Comparison is the killer of destiny. It's the killer of destiny. God has put a destiny on every single person's life. When you start comparing your running track with someone else's running track, you're going off track. Do you hear me? It's the killer of destiny and the thief of joy. Suddenly the fun goes because you're not trying to be yourself. You're trying to be somebody else. We weren't made to compare. And, and again, I'm, I'm so hot water here. Ladies, this one definitely falls into your camp. The men do it as well. But I know what happens. You walk into a room and there's this whole comparison thing going on, which is just like that person looked at me a certain way. I'd, I've never understood that one. But I want to say, please be yourselves. Please be who you're meant to be. Don't try and compare yourself to someone else. Dylan Burroughs said this, the problem with comparison is that you always feel either better than someone else or worthless compared to someone else. You're going to fall into a scale of something and you'll be lining yourself up with other people. 
The truth is, you should only ever compare yourself with who God's called you to be. There's only one scale, and the scale that God provides. Say, well, this is what I want you to look like. How are you doing against your purposes, about your plans that I've set for you? Not compared to someone else. Comparison takes away the joy of being you. The thing is, if you are great at being you, no one can ever compare themselves. If you say, well, I'm, I'm just great at being me, that, that, there's no competition. You win every time. And Deborah sat under her tree. And I want to say to us as Freedom Church and people that make up this church community, I want to say, can you be comfortable sitting under your tree? I am desperate for Freedom Church to be a place where the people of God flourish. I keep reciting Psalm 92, 13. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish, they will grow strong. I want to see a church full of flourishing people. But flourishing people are only strong when they are confident in who they are, in their identity. And going, actually, I'm not as good as so-and-so, I'm better than that person. That's never the question. Are you sitting under your tree? Are you in the place you're meant to be? Are you comfortable going, yep, I'm sitting. I'm in the right place. I'm comfortable. I'm not striving, stressing, desperate, trying to impress, please other people. I'm going, yeah, this is what I'm meant to do. And I'd love to be part of a church community where we are filled with people going, I know who I am, and I know what I'm meant to do, and I'll allow God to do the rest. That's what I want to see. And there's nothing more attractive than somebody who's confident in who they're meant to be. There's nothing more disappointing than somebody who's desperately trying to be like someone else. And you just know it's, it, you're not going to be that person. We see in our children when they try and compare themselves to their heroes, and we quietly say nothing as parents. Because we want our children to be who they're meant to be. I want us as a church to be who you're meant to be. What is your tree? What is the tree that God's given you to sit under? What is your place and the part that you play in the body of Christ? What's, what's the role you have? Are you the hand, the foot, the eye, the ear? Which bit do you get to play? And to be comfortable in that. At the end of Judges 5, under Deborah's leadership, the Bible says these words. It says, um, Then the land had peace. For 40 years. Deborah's leadership created peace. Shalom, the, the presence of God. As we lead and lead well in our communities, in our churches, we will see peace. We will see a season of God being celebrated. That's my ambition in this place. And I want to spend a few moments in a minute just to be praying for some specific people. Because I want to say very categorically from the front of the church, and I can, I can get into theological debate with you if you want to, but you know, leadership is not male. In fact, I would say leadership is not gender specific. Leadership is team. Leadership needs more than one of us. Leadership requires different attributes, different parts to play. As soon as we categorize people into boxes... We have never, we've, we've, we've wrecked God's plans for someone's life. You cannot put someone to a box and say, that's who they are. When we label people, we've already, already, we've already limited their potential. Leadership is not gender specific. Leadership is team, and we need to be comfortable with who we're called to be, to sit under our tree. If you can remember one thing today, I want you to go away from here thinking, what is the tree I'm sitting under? That image of Deborah sitting under her tree and people attracted to her. What I'd like to do this morning, get the band to come up to head into our final song in a moment. But I would like to do this. I'd like to, just to, where you're at right now, um, 
ladies only this morning. Sorry, men. We can go ladies only. But ladies, if, if you particularly are sitting here this morning and you go, I really feel called to a leadership role, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the community, whether it's in politics, whether it's in local agencies and care, whether it's in health, whether it's in education. If you are like going, I really want to be a leader that makes a difference. I want to be someone of influence. I want to be a Deborah in my situation. I just want to invite you to stand where you're at right now, just to stand where you're at. And I'm going to ask us all as a church to pray for you rather than coming to the front. So if you're willing to do that right now, um, that'd be great. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> Wonderful. Sorry, I shouldn't lighten the moment. But yes, if you want to stand, you feel called to be a leader as a woman in the church, that'd be great here. Wonderful, great, fantastic. And I'm just going to lead us as a community, and, and, and men especially, I want you to invite you just to reach out your hands, and, and ladies seated around, reach out your hands, and I want to pray a blessing upon these people who feel called to leadership. It, the Bible says if you're called to lead, do it diligently, do it well, do it carefully. And so let's just reach our hands, shall we, kind of men and women, if we can just do that, reach our hands. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of blessing upon all these women standing this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the story of Deborah. I thank you for the inspiration she is and was to a nation. Lord, thank you that she set standards, that she followed you, that people were attracted to her, that she sat under her tree and she was comfortable with who she was. And I want to pray right now, Lord, the blessing of Deborah upon these ladies stand this morning, that they would just know, they would just know that they are called by you, that they would be comfortable in who they are, they would be confident in the purpose you set before them, they would know the tree they're meant to sit under. Lord, I pray you take away any desire to compare themselves, to stress and strive and become something. I pray they would just be comfortable with their role, their part, the element they play in this life. Lord, may they not just be okay leaders, but may they be amazing leaders. I pray they would change their communities and change their workplaces, the environments they participate in, in new ways. I pray for light into dark places. I pray they would change the, 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 the feel of a place by who they are. I pray that they walk from this house today, they would walk with their heads held high, comfortable and confident in you that they are meant to be leaders representing your purposes here on this earth. We thank you for them and we pray they be honoured in this house, we pray. In your name, Lord God. Amen. Wonderful. Great. Well, I hope that was helpful to you. Thank you very much. Let's all stand, shall we? And I'll hand back to Jim and the worship. But all of us can stand, men and women. Bit of segregation in church. What is going on? Thank you, Jim. <laughs>